All right, get your Bible out and let's open up to James uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. James chapter 5. You know, uh, sometimes uh, God just gives you an opportunity uh, to practice patience, okay? You understand that? Sometimes God just gives you an opportunity for that. Uh, several weeks ago, Liz and I decided to go through a drive through at a local restaurant, pick up some food, and then take it back to the house to eat. And so we, uh, we drove through this place, and uh, we, we pulled in, and we made our order, and then we were waiting, okay? Now, you got to understand, there's no way for us to get out of this line. Okay, there are cars in front of us, cars behind us. We couldn't go to the right because there was like a drop off and the building was on the left side. So we were kind of stuck in this spot. And we waited, after we made our order in the drive through line, we waited for 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> 45, like we counted, like what is happening? 40, we were like, we went through all the cycles of grief, you know, anger, you know, shock, disbelief. You know, we went through the, whole, finally got to acceptance, you know, I mean, we're like, what is happening? I mean, and then we started noticing the people around us, the car in front of us was getting agitated, the cars behind us were getting agitated. Clearly something was going wrong in the restaurant. In fact, one time I saw this, this one lady and she was getting so angry, she was pointing at the lady at the window. And she said, I'm going to have your job. And she was going crazy. I said, Liz, calm down. <laughs> not, not really. Okay. That's the, there was a lady that did that, but it wasn't Liz. Okay. But, uh, uh, but I mean, you know, it just, oh, you know, I mean, just, and one thing I took away from that experience is the, uh, the fact that we hate to wait, right? We just hate to wait. We don't like waiting in traffic. We don't like waiting in long lines. We, we don't like waiting for the next movie to come out or uh, we, we don't like waiting for people that are late. We don't like for waiting on our food to get to us if we feel like it's taking too long. We, we like things quick. We like things instantaneously. We like things that are fast, right? Uh, we love the immediate downloads. We love Amazon Prime same day delivery. Somebody say amen. All right, we, we, we love all that. We love our Instapot, right? We love, we love uh, when the, a whole season drops on Netflix and then we can just binge watch the whole thing in a weekend. We love uh, the things that are instant, but uh, God doesn't often work that way. God doesn't often move quickly. Uh, many times, God makes us wait. Now you might say, well, why is it that God would do that? Why would God make us wait? I mean, does he, does he forget about us like he's busy, you know, doing other things? And then he, oh yeah, I forgot about you. And that's why we're waiting. No. Is it because God just likes to watch us squirm, you know, and, and, and be impatient? No, not necessarily. Why does God make us wait? Well, I think many times God in his wisdom has determined that waiting, get this, is necessary Waiting is necessary for you to grow and mature in your relationship with him. Did you get that? God has determined in his providence and wisdom that waiting is necessary for you to grow in your relationship with him. Waiting is a part of God's work. And that's really what we've been talking about or at least as mentioned here in this passage that we've been reading for this whole series. We've been looking at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. So let me show you where it is. Let's put it up on the screen here. Let's all read it uh, out loud together, nice and loud for the person next to you to hear you. Here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, Patience. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we're focusing our attention this morning on the word patience. That's what we're talking about. Patience. This is what God produces in us when, when the Spirit of God is working. One of the things he's going to produce is, is, is love. We, we talked about that. Joy, we talked about that. Peace, we talked about that last week. But now we're looking at patience, that God wants to produce patience in us, in you and in me. And we need patience because every part of our life is a waiting game, right? We're constantly waiting. In your family, you're constantly waiting. You're waiting uh, to get off to college and you're waiting to graduate. Then you're waiting to find the right person. Then you're waiting to have a baby. Then you're waiting to get to a job. And you're waiting uh, for, for some crisis that hap- uh, to pass. You're, you're waiting for a cure to come out. You're waiting. We're always in a season of waiting. And sometimes we can feel like that's wasted time. But like I've said before, waiting time is not wasted time. That God is working even while we're waiting. In fact, Paul Tripp, who is a pastor, author, uh, speaker, he said this, I'll put, the, put it up on the screen. Patience is not just about what you get at the end of the wait. Patience is about who you become while you wait. That God is doing something in you in waiting seasons that can't be done in any place else. Now, we're in James chapter 5. And James is coming to the conclusion of his letter. He's been writing to Jewish believers that have now been dispersed throughout, uh, outside of Israel. And they're living in pagan territory and they're being oppressed. Things are difficult, things are hard. And so he's encouraging them through the book of James to trust the Lord, even in difficulty, right? Even in hardship, that God's at work in it. And all throughout this book, it's a very practical book about trusting God and and believing the Lord and, and walking with him and watching your tongue and what you say and watching your attitudes. James is really laying it out for us, but he comes to the end of his letter And he gives us a section of scripture that is probably the most concise, thorough passage of scripture on waiting of any other place in the Bible. And so I want us to look at it. James chapter 5, beginning at verse uh, verse 7 through verse 11. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. This is the word of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late, the late rains? You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now stop right there. When you just look at this passage, I want you to notice a couple of things. In verses uh, verse 7, and then you have it again in verse 9, and again in verse 10, the phrase brothers and sisters. Some versions just say brothers. You see that? That indicates three different sections. 
And within each section, he's going to give an exhortation and an illustration in every single one of them. So it breaks out quite nicely. And what you see here is that James is pointing out for us three situations where God often puts us in to teach us patience. God grows our patience when we have to wait. And so there are three situations in life where God may have you right now. You may be in one of these three where God is growing you in this area of waiting and patience. All right. So let me show them to you. But if you're taking notes, just jot this first one down. The first situation God puts us in to grow in our patience is when God's timing seems slow. When God's timing seems slow. Look at, look at verse 7 again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Um, the word patient there, macro through meo is the Greek word. Uh, it simply means to have a long fuse, right? To be long-suffering. Uh, to, to endure, to not quit, to don't give up, even when things are hard. That's the idea here. And they were longing for the Lord's coming. I mean, after all, things were hard, right? They were like, Lord, man, we're really getting it over here. Uh, we would love for you to come, right? We would, Lord, maybe today you could come. And they're longing for the Lord's coming. That word coming uh, is the word parousia, which means uh, the physical appearance of Jesus Christ. And they were longing for the Lord to, to open up the sky and come down. They say, Lord, we're longing for your coming, but it seemed like that his coming wasn't coming very fast, that they were waiting and his time seemed slow. By the way, we're still waiting for the coming of the Lord, aren't we? We're still waiting on his coming. Over 500 times the scripture speaks about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He is our blessed hope and yet he hasn't come yet. We're still waiting. We're still waiting. Sometimes God's timing seems slow to us. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise as some count slowness. What that means is that God's got a timetable and sometimes for us we're like, Lord, we'd really like for you to hurry this thing up. God's not slow. We just feel like he's acting slowly. We just feel like it's not coming fast enough, but God's moving at his exact time proper time. It's not slow to God, but sometimes it seems slow to us. Sometimes it seems slow when you're waiting on that job and man, you've been applying and applying and applying and nothing happens. Sometimes it seems slow when you're waiting on a, a relationship to come into your life. Sometimes it seems slow when you're waiting on uh, a pregnancy or waiting on your big break or waiting on a cure or waiting on things to change. How can we trust God when things seem like they're moving so slow? How can we do that? And so James gives us an illustration of how we wait patiently when things seem slow. Look at it, what he says uh, in verse 7. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. He talks about a farmer, the illustration of a farmer. I grew up in a farming community and I, 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 some of my earliest jobs were out in the fields, working in the fields. Uh, I, some of our best friends were farmers. One thing I know about farmers is farmers have to wait. <laughs> There's a lot of work and then they have to wait. 
And so much of their job, they're not in control over. They can't control the weather. They can't control the heat. They can't control the rain or the lack thereof. They can't control even a lot of the bugs and insects and things that might come on them. They do the best they can, but they can't control all that. And so they have to learn to be patient and to wait on uh, the Lord. May, he mentions here these farmers had to wait for the early rains and the later rains. The early rains took place in the fall, in October, November. The, the later rains took place in March or April. Last time we were in Israel, we were smack in the middle of the later rains. It rained on a seven out of ten days. Uh, but then after that, there will be no more rain until the fall. All throughout the rest of the summer, on into early fall, there will be no rain. There will be drought. And they have to wait and wait and wait. He said, look at the farmer. Why, why does a farmer wait? How does a farmer wait when he has to? The farmer waits because he knows the harvest is coming. He knows. And by the way, this isn't blind faith. He's seen this over and over and over again. He knows when the rains come. He knows there are seasons, right? Uh, every farmer understands that you don't get a harvest every month. Every farmer knows that. They know when you plant. They don't wait. They know when you cultivate. Uh, they know when you plant. They know when you water. And then the time of harvest comes. They understand the seasons in farming. Now, the same is true in your life. Your life has seasons. Sometimes you're in a season when everything is moving fast. Sometimes you're in a season when you get that job, you get that promotion and things are moving fast and, and dreams are materializing and prayers are happening and doors are opening and everything's awesome, right? That's like a cool season. But there are other seasons when prayers don't seem to be answered, when doors aren't opening. It doesn't seem like God's moving at all. Everything seems to be grinding to a halt. Is that mean, does that mean that God isn't at work? Does that mean that God's abandoned you? That God's forgot about you? No. But it's a different season. And the farmer understands that he has to endure the hard, dry seasons. But he knows in faith that the harvest season is coming. So James tells us here, hey, you need to wait. Endure the hard seasons. Trust that God is going to bring about what he has promised. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, In due season we will reap if we do not give up. If we don't give up, if we just keep trusting God, then there will be a season of growth. In his season, in due season, God will bring about what he has promised if we do not give up. Too many times we give up. Too many times. Many of you have heard the story of Florence Chadwick. Uh, Florence Chadwick was a uh, uh, exemplary uh, long-distance swimmer. She was born and raised in San Diego. Uh, at the age of 10, she swam across the San Diego Bay at the age of 10. Uh, later on, she swam the English Channel. Uh, she, she, there are multiple feats, multiple records that she set. But there's one story of when she was swimming across uh, from Catalina, Catalina Island to the mainland of, of, of California. And she's, she began the swim. Everything was great. She was flanked by small boats on either side that were there to watch out for sharks. <laughs> That's comforting. And uh, to make sure that if something happened to her, they could pull her quickly out of the water. And she swam for 15 hours. And somewhere along the way, a thick, dense fog came in over the water and she could not see the shore. She began to get weary. In fact, her mother was in one of the boats. She told her mom, and she said, Mom, I don't think I'm going to make it. She said, you can do it. She swam another hour after she said she didn't think she could make it. 
Then finally, in exhaustion, unable to see the shoreline, unable to know where she was, she finally said, pull me out. And they pulled her out. And when the fog lifted, they realized that they were only one mile from the shore. She quit too soon. Are you thinking about quitting? Are you thinking about, you know, God's put something on your heart, but you're just weary, you can't see it coming, you, you don't see God working? So many people quit just before the breakthrough, just before God was moving, you quit. And so what James is saying is, listen, like the farmer, you just know there are seasons. And yeah, you may be in a hard season. It may be a difficult season, but you just keep trusting God because you know the harvest is coming. And in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what do we do in the waiting time? We just sit around and twiddle our thumbs? Uh, no, not exactly. Look at verse 8. He tells us, look, he said, you also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. The word strengthen there literally means determination, resolute, steadfast. In other words, he said, you know, it's in the hard seasons that we have to kind of dig our heels in and say, you know what, I'm just going to remain resolute. I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep serving God. I'm going to keep doing what I, he called me to do. I, I, I may not be able to see how all this is going to come about, but I'm going to trust God for it. And I'm going to be resolute and steadfast and keep doing what God has called me to do. If you're in a season of waiting, things aren't moving very fast, things aren't happening, you can't see how things could ever get better, just be determined to serve God right now where you are. What God has called you to do, do it with all your heart. What God has put in your hand, do it unto him. Be resolute, steadfast, determined to serve God where you are and in due season, the Lord will bring about what he has promised for you. So James tells us, we need to keep going. You know, this last week I met with some of our global hub leaders. These are ministry church planters from all over the world, from China, from the Middle East, from uh, Canada, from West Africa. And we spent two full days together praying together, seeking God for direction of all the churches that are being planted and how we can cooperate together to plant churches all over the world. And, and in part of that meeting, we asked them, what are some of the things you're struggling with? And we, and we heard uh, you know, one guy talk about how uh, uh, Islamic terrorism is literally killing people in the outskirts of their villages and some of their believers that are there. Another one talked about an oppressive uh, government that, that was watching over them and, and oppressing them. Another one talked about uh, the danger that was uh, around them and to their church planters because of their sharing their faith. I mean, the stories went on and on and on. The, the oppression, the resistance, the hatred that many of these church planters suffer on a daily basis. But you know what I heard from every single one of these guys? They said, we will never quit. We won't quit. We will not be silent. We will not back up. We trust that God uh, will give us the strength to proclaim the gospel until he comes. Now listen, if those guys cannot quit, then you can't quit either. You be faithful to what God has done. Remember the farmer. He continues to work hard knowing that in due season, the harvest will come. And then he sends us, James uh, talks about another situation where we have to learn patience. And that's in verse 9. And that's when people disappoint us. 
when people disappoint us. Look at verse 9. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Don't complain about one another. So that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. He, he said, you know, sometimes people frustrate us. Sometimes we frustrate each other, right? And he's like, hey, hey don't complain about one another. You know, when that complaint starts coming out of your mouth, just close. Close that thing. It can close, right? Just close it. Put your hand over your mouth. Yeah, you don't complain about one another. The word complain there, I love this, means to groan under a burden or to sigh. Have you ever done that? Oh, right? To groan under a burden. You know, how much longer? I mean, you know, we, we can easily get on each other's nerves, right? Whether it's a kid that doesn't sleep, that's crying all night, or a teenager that will not listen and is making bad choices, or a spouse that is insensitive to our needs, or a brother and sister in the Lord that's in our church that just doesn't check up on us, or whatever the case may be. It's easy for us to find ways to complain. Isn't it true? Nobody has to really work at that. Somehow we just are really good at complaining. Well, so-and-so did that, and if they were to do this, and well, how come they didn't do this, and they didn't do that right? And we're so easily critical of each other. And so James says, stop it. Don't complain about each other. What should we do instead? Well, let me just write, the, write this on the margin of your Bible. 1 Timothy 1.16, it's not on the screen, but I, I want to read it to you. 1 Timothy 1.16, the Apostle Paul is talking about his own testimony. And he said, I received mercy for this reason, so that me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate, get this, his extraordinary patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. He said, you know what? I'm the worst. You know, I'm the worst. And Jesus showed me his extraordinary patience. Let me ask you something. Has God been patient with you? Hands up if God has been patient with you. I just want to see that. A little testimony time. God's been patient with you, right? Now listen, if he's been patient with you, then can you not be patient with those in your family? Can you not be patient with those in your church family? He said, be patient. And then he gives this illustration about the judge, right? He says, uh, you know, don't complain. He said, uh, or, or, so that you will not be judged. The judge stands at the door. This idea of a judge. I remember when I first moved to Colleyville about 15 years ago, I really had a hard time understanding that these back roads are 30 miles an hour, right? I just struggled with that. You know, and uh, literally I got like three tickets back to back, like within uh, two weeks. I mean, I was like, what is happening here? You know? And, uh, and so finally this one friend of mine that was working on the police force, he said, well, hey, I tell you what, uh, he said, I can get you a private uh, hearing with the judge if you'd like that, you know, like in his chambers. I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, if that helps me, you know, absolutely. And so I went in to to meet this judge. And so he brought me back into the guy's office and the judge is sitting there, doesn't have his you know, robe on. He's just sitting there and, and he's obviously as I go in, he's looking at these tickets that I have. He's looking at the record. And he's not really looking up. He's just reading the tickets like this. And uh, he's, your name is Etheridge? Yes. You're, and he, we go through it and he said, and you're a pastor? <laughs> And I said, yes, of the Methodist church right down the street. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, 
it's uncomfortable when you're in front of a judge, right? I mean, because you're, you're just exposed. And that's what he's saying here is, hey, listen, guys, when you are critical with one another, you're acting like a judge. You're the one that's judging whether their attitude is right. You're the one that's judging whether the motive is right. You're the one that seems to know everything about everybody so you can quickly point out all their faults. He said, what you don't understand is you've got a judge. You're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to have to give an account for the words you say. You say, well, what do you mean by that? What Jesus tells us is in Matthew 12, verse 36, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word they speak. I don't know about you, but that makes me nervous. Every word that I say, every careless word, every flippant thing, everything I said in anger, I have to give an account for. And listen, he said, listen, the judge is at the door. In other words, he's closer than you think. He's hearing what you're saying. Brother and sister, don't complain against one another. Yeah, man, you may be in a situation that's difficult. It may be hard. Give grace to one another. Show extraordinary patience, just as God has shown extraordinary patience to you. That's a good word, isn't it? It's a good word for all of us. And we need to be more gracious, more patient, more loving, to bear with one another in love. So he's talking about things that, situations in life that make us wait. One is when God's timing seems slow. Another one is when people disappoint us. But here's this last one, this last little section. And, and this is uh, when hard times come. When hard times come, look at verse 10. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. Nothing really puts our patience to the test more than hard times, difficult times, crisis, trouble. In those moments, we're often tempted to say, God, why did you allow this happen? God, I thought you loved me. God, why did you bring this into my life? God, what did I do wrong? And many times we lose patience with God. We're quick to turn away from him because he's allowed hard times and crisis to come. And so what's, what is he saying here? He said, just think about the prophets. The prophets endured. Think about Elijah. Elijah that felt like he was the only one left, right? And that, and that he stood his ground against all the prophets of Baal and he was chased by this wicked king and wicked queen and he thought he was the only one left and God took care of him. What about Jeremiah who was the, to the weeping prophet that cried out for people to repent and they would not listen. In fact, they hated his sermon so bad they threw him in a well and hoped he died. But the Lord protected him. What about Daniel who was standing his ground in a pagan Babylonian culture and would pray even though the law said not to pray and God was with him in the lion's den. What about Hosea that endured a hard marriage? What about Amos that was rejected by his own people? What about Isaiah that suffered and died because he was a servant of God? He said, listen, we, we studied these men and these men are examples. Look at what he said, verse 10. They are an example for us in suffering and patience. God's given these stories to us to remind us what it looks like to be patient and to endure. 
In fact, in Romans 15, 4, he says, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Every one of these prophets, they were doing the right thing. Every one of these prophets were walking with God. Every one of these prophets were doing what God told them to do, and yet they suffered hard times. Listen, do you think that if you do the right thing, you serve God, that you're not going to go through it? We are. In fact, if you are serving God and you are doing the right thing, that's probably going to be a reason why we're going to go through suffering. Because we're going upstream from our culture and from this world. So he said, just remember these guys when you're, when you're tempted, when you're in situations of hardship. Remember their example. Remember this, that God will never lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. He said in verse 11, we see and count as blessed those who have endured. By the way, when did the blessing come? Little test here. When did the blessing come? Before the endurance or after the endurance? It comes after. You endure, then the blessing comes. And so he's saying, listen, there are times, even in hardship, even in crisis, even when things seem like they're unraveling around us, that is a time for endurance and patience. Look at verse 11. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome of, that the Lord brought about. Job is like the poster child for endurance, right? And Job, I mean, you don't, you've, if you haven't read the book of Job lately, it's a good time to go back and read it. It's a long book. First few chapters, Job loses everything. Then the bulk of the book, uh, Job's friends are trying to explain it, which they don't do a very good job. They really should have just kept their mouth shut, right? Because they cause more angst than, than help. But it's toward the end of the book that God reveals himself to Job. And he restores Job. And he said, listen, you guys know that story. You know how Job persevered and what God did in Job's life? Listen, you can do the same thing. Job never walked away. Job never blamed God. Job never cursed God, even though his wife said, curse God and die. Job never shook his fist in defiance. Job waited and trusted that what God promised he would bring about. And then look at this last phrase in verse 11. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Isn't that good news? God is compassionate and merciful. Listen to me. Everybody look right up here. What that means is this. You are a loved son. You're a loved daughter. That our Heavenly Father is not capricious. He is not ignoring you. He is not insensitive. He is not unaware of what you're walking through. When you're entrusting him when things seem slow and coming. When you are trusting him when you have conflict in your life. When you are trusting him through an area of hardship or crisis. It is not that he is unmoved by that. It says the Lord is compassionate. He understands what you're feeling. He hears your cries. He knows what's happening deep inside of you. And he is abundant in mercy. And he will turn to you if you trust him. Listen, some of the greatest waiting that we need to do, that we often don't do, is to wait on the Lord. Let me ask you something. Have you been waiting on the Lord? 
Have you been in a situation where you're just saying, God, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to wait for you to speak to me. God, I'm just going to sit here in prayer. God, I'm just going to wait. God, I'm just going to fast and pray. God, I'm just going to wait for you to show up in my life. Isaiah 40 says, let me just read it to you. They who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Just this morning, God was just speaking over me. Psalm 33, 20 says, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. And instead of just waiting, God, what are you going to give me what I want? God, what are you going to get me out of this problem? God, what are you going to solve these things? Instead of waiting for the thing to end or for the thing to begin or for, thing, for God to bring into your life what you want, instead of waiting for that, why not just wait for God to show up in your life? So many times we are so fast and so busy that we miss what God wants to do in us because we don't wait on him. So we ask you to bow your heads now for just a minute and just wait on the Lord. What is, what is the Spirit of God saying to you right now? What is he saying? Are you waiting on the Lord? Is he speaking to you? Has it been a long time since God really spoke to your heart? We're about to take the Lord's table together. And I just want you to know that God cannot resist a humble cry of a person that seeks him. Maybe you've come here this morning, you have a heavy heart. If you cry out to him in humility and say, Lord, I'm just waiting on you. Lord, I, I, I'm not asking you to solve my problem. I'm not asking you to, to give me what I want. Lord, I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. I want you to show up in my life. God, I want you to move in power. God, I want you to just change me on the inside. If you cry out to him like that, he will hear that prayer.